Would you please stand with us, whether you're in-house or at home? Let's worship him.
God, we give you glory in this moment. Lord, I pray that we can just worship you and forget about the distractions that maybe happened when we came in this room, but that we can fully give you our attention in this moment.
you're facing something right now in life or a, a moment or a decision or an obstacle in life and you just don't know how. You don't know how you're going to get through that situation. In those moments, sometimes we got to look back so we can look forward. We've got to look back at the faithfulness of our God to see how he could stop the rain for three and a half years, to see how he could stop the sun in the middle of the day to see how he could kill a giant with a stone and a young boy, to see how he could raise the dead to life, to see how he could make the lame walk, to see how he could provide the miracle after miracle. Sometimes we got to look back to see the faithfulness so we can have faith to look forward to the future. Amen. Whatever the situation you're facing right now, let's just look up to the Lord. Let's offer it to him and see our future in him. Amen. God, we thank you that you are so faithful, Lord, that you have never let us down. Lord, we find our confidence not in ourselves, not in our bank account, not in our government, but in you. God, we find our hope in you. We find our future lies in you. 
God, for whatever situations are represented today, God, whether that's financial, Lord, whether that's anxiety, depression, God, whether that's someone who's just burnt out, whatever it may be, God, Lord, that you would speak life into those situations. And when there seems to be no hope, God, I pray that hope is brought to the hopeless right now. God, we thank you for how faithful and how incredible you are. And we give you all the glory and honor and praise. And all of God's children said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, well, welcome to the Bridge Church. We are so glad that you have joined us in person or online. Hey, right where you are, why don't you take a moment, just wave really big. And if you're online, wave at me. I'm waving back at you. Tell somebody that you are excited that they are here. I want to remind you of a few things. Uh, if you came with your family today and at any point you think you might be more comfortable in our family room, uh, we do have our family room available over in the youth center. We would encourage you at any point if you feel like your kids would be better off over there, go ahead and feel free to go over there. We also want to remind you that we are so glad that you're with us. Thank you, everybody. We love you. And let's take a moment to stay up to date with church news. Good morning again, Bridge family. We're so happy to be in church with you today. The fall season is upon us and new things are happening over the next few weeks here at the Bridge. We want to keep you up to date with everything that is coming up, so let's check out our church news and see what's going on. We are very excited to announce that we're moving towards the reopening of Bridge Kids on Sunday morning. We believe the time has come for our kids to come back to a place where they are loved, where they are valued, where they are believed in, to a place where they can connect with God and with each other. Since many kids are unable to receive the emotional interaction that they need with other kids. However, none of this is possible without the love and support of Bridge Kids volunteers. So, if you have a heart for kids and are willing to serve right now on a Sunday morning, please come and see me today, right after the service at the Kids Check-In Area. And if you're watching online, you can email me at jsharp at thebridgechurch.tv. You know, through your gifts, talents, and abilities, together we can help kids look to the future with hope and expectation for the amazing things God can and will do in their lives. Our Fall Connect groups are up and running and open for you to get plugged in. If you are interested in building new friendships and growing in your walk with God, we invite you to join a Connect group here at The Bridge. There's never been a more important time than now to connect with other believers and strengthen your faith. So take advantage of this opportunity. To see a full list of all of our groups, just go to our website and click on the Connect tab. You can also see them on the Bridge app. We hope you'll join a Connect group this fall at the Bridge. We are so excited about a new season of Bridge Women and our new series entitled Authentic Prayer. 
We believe God is going to do some new things in all our lives, and we're going to see miraculous answers to our prayers. It's all happening through our Bridge Women Connect groups, and we have groups happening Monday through Friday at all different times of day with all different formats. It's not too late to sign up for our group, so be sure to get on the Bridge Women page today at thebridgechurch.tv to find a group that fits your schedule. We can't wait to grow with you through this new series. If you're new to the church, we want to help you find your place in this family. We invite you to go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. If you don't yet have the Bridge app, just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. This is the best way to stay updated with everything happening in our church life. Thanks again for being in church today, and we love spending Sundays with you. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Hey, it's good to see you. Glad you're here in church. For those of you watching online, thanks for making your house God's house today. Really are glad you've joined us. Let's take a moment and pray together, okay? Father, we thank you today for this day you've given us. We thank you for cooler weather. We thank you, Lord, that your hand is at work in our lives, at work in our church fellowship. In all that we see, Father, your hand's working, and we give you praise for that today. Now we set aside all the cares of life and we open our hearts to hear from you, to read your word, to hear what your word has to say, to learn from it, and then apply it to our lives that we be hearers and doers of your word. Speak to every individual watching online and in the building today. We thank you for what you do in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, in a few minutes we're going to begin reading in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, if you don't have a Bible with you, we'll have the verses on the screen. But I want to talk to you today, a very simple message title, Bold and Italics. Bold and Italics. Now most of you know what Bold and Italics is. Some of you, well I think everybody knows what Bold and Italics is, okay? Because we are a up-to-date people, are we not? Okay, let me, let me put it this way. Uh, I think almost everybody here uses a computer pretty much every day, every other day, even those who might be a little older. We know what it is to pull up that word processor, whatever program we might be using, and type out something. And there's two options at the top of the page. One is bold, and you can type something in bold, and it stands out really strong from the rest of the type. But you can also hit that little italics logo. And when you do that, what happens is the script changes and it looks a little more slanted, maybe a little thinner. It looks a little more classy in some respects. It's got a little bit of spice to it. Today I want to talk to you about bold and italics. You know, a few weeks ago, we spent some time in the book of Acts talking about the work of the Holy Spirit and specifically... The fact that the Holy Spirit wants to work through us, each and every one of us. We've been talking about the fact the Holy Spirit comes to work for us, in us, and then through us. And today I want to follow up with that, talking about bold and italics in that line of thought. I want to begin today talking for 
a couple of minutes about Acts chapters 3 and 4. Now, if you were here back during September and heading into the first part of October, we did some teaching out of Acts chapter 1, talking about a season of preparation, a time of preparation when we prepared our hearts for God to do new things in our lives. And then we moved to Acts chapter 2, talking about how the Holy Spirit wants to work through us. But now when we get into Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, I want to summarize them because they tell a story of something that happened that's really important with where we are as a church today. I want to summarize for you. In Acts chapter 3, we have the story of Peter and John entering into the temple area at the time of prayer, and they run across a lame man begging at the gate, and everybody knows those famous words, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I'll give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they grabbed him by the hand and yanked him up, and this man who'd been lame from birth was totally healed in a moment's time, and he went about running and walking and leaping, totally made whole. It's an amazing story because... What we see in Acts chapter 3 is the disciples continued doing ministry in the same way that Jesus did ministry. Because the Holy Spirit had baptized them. The Holy Spirit was upon them. But then when you go from this amazing story and this amazing healing, Scripture tells us that, that the whole town was just kind of excited and there's all this commotion going on because of this miracle that took place because so many of them knew this lame man. But then suddenly in Acts chapter 4, the religious leaders get together and they begin to talk about what Peter and John have done and they're a little bit on edge because they're talking about Jesus and here's what I want you to see today I'm going to walk through part of Acts chapter 4 but there are basically two things that happen in this chapter first there's the response of the Jewish religious leaders and then second there's Peter and John's response to them So here's what happens. The Jewish leaders, when they hear about this miracle and they see this man who's been lame, healed and made well, they're all in a quandary. These guys are talking about Jesus. Jesus did that. They're using the name of Jesus. They're preaching Jesus. Jesus was crucified. They say he was raised from the dead. Some of the religious leaders didn't even believe in the resurrection anyway. That's why they were called Sadducees, because they had no hope of resurrection for their future when this life was over. And so these people in an uproar saying, okay, our religious system is being threatened by this Jesus person, and he's gone, he's out of the way, but now the followers are beginning to do miracles. What are we going to do? So they arrest Peter and John, keep him in jail overnight, and then the next day all the religious leaders gather to question Peter and John, and they ask him, how did you do this? You, this, this man's been healed. It's obvious there's a miracle, but how did you do it? And they said, oh, we, we did it in, in Jesus' name. And, of course, that upset the religious leaders, and they begin to try to figure out, okay, what are we going to do about this? And they tell them, we don't want to hear any more talk about Jesus. But here's what happens. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse number 13. It's very important. Acts 4, 13. Now, when they, the religious leaders, saw the boldness, everybody say boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were 
uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Interesting verse. They recognized, man, these guys are so bold, yet they're uneducated, they are untrained, they haven't even been to Bible seminary. What do they know about miracles? What do they know about doing the works of God? And then to make matters worse, they're doing all of this in the name of Jesus. They've got a real problem on their hands. It's interesting. If you go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you shall receive Anybody know what? Power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. What we're seeing here is the prophecy that Jesus made and the promise he made in Acts 1 and 8. It's now being fulfilled. And they are doing ministry as Jesus did ministry. You see, a part of the purpose of the work of the Holy Spirit is to empower us, anoint us, baptize us, that we might do ministry as Jesus did ministry. And a part of that package is boldness. Boldness to step out in Jesus' name and by faith do the things that Jesus did. So these leaders are kind of in a quandary. What are we going to do with these guys? So they warned them. They said, okay, we're going to set you free, but do not preach in Jesus' name anymore. We don't want to hear another word of this or you're in trouble. So that, that's, the, that's the religious leader's response. But then Peter and John have to respond to them. And so here's what Peter and John said. You know what, guys? We, we got a problem here. Do we listen to God or do we listen to you? Do we obey God or do we obey you? Do we tell what we've seen, what we know to be the truth, or we, do we put our hands over our mouths and listen to what you got to say? They turned to these guys and said, you be the judge of that. Because we think what God wants is more important than what you want. They said, we're going to continue to do what we've been doing. We're just going to speak what we know to be true. We're going to continue on the path that we're on. Our direction in life, our ministries are not going to change. Why? Because the Spirit of God was upon them, as Acts 1-8 had promised. Then the, the apostles, the disciples, Peter and John, these two guys, they, they let them go. They've warned them. They head out the door, and they head straight to a prayer meeting. And what they do, they go to a prayer meeting and they begin to pray for boldness. And miracles continue to happen. Now, look, look down at verse number 29. Acts 4, verse 29. This is a part of their prayer that they pray in this prayer meeting. It's a long prayer there, but I want you to notice the last part of it. They said, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, notice what happens, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. There's, it's like an earthquake. The place is shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. 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 
in the face of opposition, in the face of jail time, in the face of the religious leaders being you know, thrown aside and kicked aside from the Jewish religion, these guys stood fast and they didn't pray and say, oh God, help us hide. Oh God, show us a hole we can crawl into. Oh God, keep them away from us. They said, God, give us boldness. This is a day and an age when God's people need boldness. And boldness comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting. In these original writings, we talk about the word bold and boldness in different places, and I'll touch on it more in a few minutes. In the original writings, this word literally means to speak with complete outspokenness. In other words, no, I'm not going to guard my words. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to try to figure out how to couch all this. I'm just going to tell it the way I'm going to be outspoken about what I know about Jesus. It also means frankness, straight to the point. It means bluntness. But it also means confidence and assurance. These guys said, we don't care what the enemy says. We don't care what opposition rises in our face. God, give us boldness make us bold you know in acts chapter 3 when we back up when we see that healing of the lame man at the gate what happened was peter and john seized an opportunity it was an opportunity that religious leaders and people in the community walked by every day they passed by this guy day after day after day nobody saw the opportunity but when peter and john looked on the lame man that day they saw him through the eyes of jesus and they didn't see a lame man lying there they saw somebody about to be healed with the power of god who was going to receive what jesus had promised they saw an opportunity and they seized that opportunity and a miracle happened and as a result of that, many, many people turned to God. Many people turned to God. In Acts 4, where we've been reading, when Peter and John faced opposition, the Holy Spirit gave them the boldness to continue ministry, telling people the truth. Even the Jewish religious leaders. Now, I want to pause here for just a moment. Because truth is an interesting thing. You know, I, I mentioned last week the verse where Jesus said, don't think I've, I've come to just bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. He said, I'm going to draw a line, and some people are going to be on this side, and some people are going to be on that side. And when truth goes out, it splits things down the middle, and people are going to get on one side or the other. That's what truth does. It draws a line and says, here's what's right, here's what's wrong, here's the truth, here's falsehood and the lie. You decide which side you want to be on. And the interesting thing about it, when truth is spoken, three things tend to happen. We see it here in Acts. Number one, when truth is spoken, people turn to God. Number two, when truth is spoken, opposition even persecution arises. Did you know the devil hates truth? Let me say it again. Did you know the devil hates truth? See, Jesus said Satan's a liar and the father of it. He can't tell the truth. Every time the devil speaks, he's making stuff up as he goes. That's what Jesus said. He hates truth. 
So he tries to skew everything. Go back to the very beginning in Genesis. It started in the garden and it's still happening today. Satan is trying to devalue what God values most, you and me. And he does it by deception and lies. So when truth goes out, opposition comes. Now, let me pause here just a moment. What these religious leaders wanted was for Peter and John to just shut up. Just shut up. Just be quiet. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. But then the third thing that truth does is truth tends to bring a cleansing. Truth brings a cleansing because it makes us look at facts and decide, what do I believe? Now, let, let me illustrate this to you. Sometimes truth brings a cleansing. It'll even bring a purging. Even in the church, Acts chapter 5, we haven't got there yet. But in Acts chapter 5, what happens is people are so moved. Scripture says, you know, in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people are added to the church. By the time we get to Acts 5, it says there's 5,000 men, 5,000 men, not including everybody else in the picture. This church is growing, it's blossoming, it's mushrooming. People are being touched by the hand of God then what happens is these people walk in, they start throwing down money. People start selling properties and they're throwing down money. They said, hey, wherever there's a need, meet the need. And this guy walks in, this guy Ananias, and he says, hey, I've got this money here. I sold a piece of property for this much money. Here's the money. And he throws his money down. And Peter looks at him and says, wait a minute. Now, let me see if I understand this right. You sold a piece of property for that much money. Yeah, this much money. Okay. And, and that's all you got for the property. Right, that's all I got. And so you've come to give it to God. This guy came with wrong intentions because he wanted to be seen by people for what he was doing. The truth of the matter was the guy had sold it for much more money, but he hid part of it and he said, here's all the money. He just came to be seen by men. And Peter says, you know what? You didn't just lie to me. You didn't just lie to the church. You lied to God, the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, he dropped dead. Now, how many of you know that's a little bit of cleansing and purging going on? When somebody, you know, that, that, that purges things pretty fast. So the scripture says they, they come and carry him out and they bury him. A little while later, his wife comes walking in and she doesn't know what's happened. She walks in, big smile on her face, and Peter says, hey, I heard you sold a piece of property. Yeah. How much did you sell it for? And she tells the same story of her husband. So that's all you got for that property. Yes. Peter's like, you know, it was your property. If you sold it, it's your money. What you decide to give, that's on you. But don't lie about it. He looks at her and says, you know, here comes the guys for you now. And about that time, she dropped dead. I mean, that's how it happened. And all of a sudden, fear, reverence fell on the people. How many of you think a little fear and reverence might fall on us if that happened? But see, that's what truth does. Truth gives God an opportunity to work in our lives to purge stuff out that needs to be moved. And after these miracles happen, or after this cleansing of the church, more miracles happen. Because Acts 5.12 says, Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders are done among the people, and multitudes are added to the church. So a lot of things happen when you tell the truth. So... The church grows, opposition grows, persecution begins to grow, but God's boldness grows.
grows in people's hearts. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, I want you to hear this. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with God's boldness. This is not the time for us to crawl in a shell like a turtle and hide. This is the time for us to be bold and tell the truth. It's important. And the Holy Spirit brings that kind of, of, of boldness. Now, in Acts 5, after this thing happens with Ananias and Sapphira, you know, the church is growing, the religious leaders are going nuts, so they call the apostles in because now what's happening is these guys are walking down the street and they're laying people in the street hoping the shadow of the apostles fall on them. And people are being healed. They're coming not just from Jerusalem, but other cities because they hear the miracles that are happening. And these religious leaders are all up in the air saying, we got to shut these guys up. So here they go, and they get the apostles, and they throw them in jail. But an angel comes and opens the doors of the prison, lets them out. And notice the angel says, go back to the temple and keep preaching. Let me throw this in because I'll come back to it in a minute. When the enemy throws opposition your way, the best thing you can do is go back and finish doing what God's called you to do. Be bold. Be bold. The angel opens the door. He doesn't say, well, now go hide. Go hide. The, the leaders are really upset with you. No. They, he says to them, go back to the temple and continue preaching and ministering to people. Now, I want you to look at this. Acts chapter 5. We move forward now. Acts 5. I'm moving quickly. How many of you know I'm going fast today? Acts 5. Skip all the way down to verse 27. So they go and find the guys in the temple again. They bring them in again. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. The high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Now pause here just a moment. They're telling the truth. They're telling the people, hey, Jesus died because our religious leaders and you people hanged him on a cross. If you remember back when they're screaming to uh, Pilate saying, hang Jesus, crucify Jesus, kill Jesus, give us Barabbas. At that time, they're saying, let his blood be on us. Now his blood is on their hands and they're saying, don't try to put his blood on our hands. They asked for it. They got it. Verse 29. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. I think Here's the thing you need to see. When Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they asked him questions, he always had an answer because the Holy Spirit rested upon him. When these guys are confronted by their religious leaders and they question them, they've always got an answer. They can't, they, they can't even come back. You know why that is? It's because the Holy Spirit's resting upon them and they have boldness. I'll show you more of this in a few minutes. So here the religious leaders are in this quandary. What are we going to do? And one guy named Gamaliel, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right, but how many of you know it's okay if I don't pronounce all the Bible names okay? 
I've heard it, you know, Gamaliel, Gamaliel, I don't care how you say it, but this guy, one of the Pharisees, said, you know what, look, look, let's, here, here's the thing, guys, pulls him aside, here's the deal. You want to keep fighting these guys, and here's the problem. If this is not of God, this thing will burn out in a few weeks. And he names a couple of guys, and he said, we've seen these guys come up in the past, and they lead these, these insurrections against the government, and they lead this and lead that, and they have all these big things, but then they all wind up dying and getting blown aside. Leave this thing alone, because if these things are not of God, it's going to die. But the flip side is, if, if this is of God, we'll be fighting against God, and we can't stop it. Give them some space. I think that's wisdom. I think that's wisdom. So they, what they do, they call them and they say, okay, we're going to give you some space. And then they beat them. How many have been beaten for your faith in God? I mean, physically beaten. Anybody here? Okay. How many have been verbally beaten for your faith in God? Okay, now the hands start going up. These guys are, are beaten. And then they send them away and say, okay, we're going to give you some slack. And here's what happens next. Look at 5, Acts 5, verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name. And daily in the temple, daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit brought boldness upon their lives. Now, some of you are saying, okay, so we got this Bible history lesson today. What's that got to do with me? This is about Peter and John and the apostles, the early church. What does this have to do with me? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a church leader. What does this have to do with me? All right, I'm going to get to the last part of my message or the second half of my message. The church... Even here in America, the church has already begun, has started heading into a season of opposition. We're already beginning to see persecution of the church here in America. I can tell you stories of things that are going on. If you follow the news closely, you know some of those things. Churches are being kicked out of schools. Churches are being kicked out of community. Because their faith in Jesus and their stand for morality and because they stand strong for what they believe. Persecution, opposition to the church has started here in America. And if there was ever a time when God's people needed to be bold, it's now. It's now. We need to know what we believe, why we believe it, and we need to be willing to stand on it and say, I will be bold. That doesn't mean obnoxious. I will be bold and I won't be moved off of the truth. So your question is, well, what is my role in all of this? To share Jesus with people through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit use you to share Jesus with people. You know, opportunities to minister are everywhere. I want to say it again. I know it's quiet here in first service today. Cool weather's gotten to some of you. You didn't get enough warm coffee this morning. But I want to stress this. Opportunities 
to minister to people are everywhere. And you touch people that I'll never touch. You touch people that the pastors in our church will never touch. You work next to people. You live next to people. You run into people every day that we will never have the opportunity to touch. That is your mission field. It's your mission field. And I know what's happening right now. Oh, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get to it. Yeah. I can't do that. Yes, you can. You need to pray that the Holy Spirit will bring boldness into your life. But you see, we often see these opportunities through eyes of timidity and inability. And instead of seizing these opportunities, we allow them to slip away and people walk away. And we never take the time to try to put Jesus in their lives. See, sometimes we think, well, if I'm going to minister to people, i got to be God. You're not God. God doesn't want you to be God. He wants you to be you, but give him an opportunity to get into people's lives. He wants to use us to be his body, ministering to people. If we're going to do this, we've got to be bold. So let me ask you a question. What would happen if for just one day we determined to look for opportunities just one day? If each one of us started looking for opportunities to lead people to God, what do you think would happen? If we determined to look for purpose and ministry in every conversation we had with people, what do you suppose would happen? Tell you what I think. I think God would show up in a big way and a lot of people's lives would be changed. If we would take some steps with boldness, I know you're thinking, well, what do you mean? Explain that to me. Okay, in, in most conversations, in, at least in many conversations, there is a thread that runs through that conversation. It might be a word. It might be an expression. Something where someone reveals a need, a hurt, a pain, a worry, a concern. And if you grab a hold of that thread and you tug on it, there will be an opportunity to minister to that person. But it takes boldness to step in and grab that thread and pull on it. I'm going to tell you something. If we'd start pulling the threads in people's conversations with us, expressing their need and their hurt and their concern and their worries, I promise you, God would anoint us with the power of the Holy Spirit to be bold and speak into their lives. Why do we fail to seize so many of these opportunities? Well, I mentioned one earlier. One of them is timidity we're not bold we're a little bit timid a little bit timid you know second timothy one I believe it's verse seven paul said to timothy during difficult days god has not given us a spirit of fear it literally means timidity god's not the one who made you timid somebody else has made you timid the holy spirit brings boldness but because of timidity, we don't, we're not bold, we back away. And then the second thing is words. Sometimes we're afraid to speak because we don't know what to say and we're afraid if somebody starts asking questions, we won't have all the answers. I've been preaching a long time and I've never yet met anybody who's got all the answers. But we need boldness 
to speak into people's lives. You see, God is looking for opportunities to help people. And so should we. There are people in your world who need God. But they need you to bring God to them. Be bold. Seize opportunities to minister to people. Use the power of the Holy Spirit. Let it work in your life. And let's be witnesses in our everyday living. It's interesting to me. We talk about boldness and timidity. And I'm going to get to italics in just a minute. It won't take me long, okay? But when we look at this, if you go back to Acts 4.13, we read it earlier. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders called them in, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They realized they'd been with Jesus. Isn't that what causes us to be timid? We think we're uneducated and we're untrained. Well, we can get educated. We can become trained if we want to. But more than anything else, if we would just have boldness and take a step of faith and pull on that thread in that conversation, God would open doors for us to pray with people and minister to people. But we've got to have boldness. But then the other reason is italics. Italics. We're afraid we won't know exactly what to say. Well, what, what if they ask me about creation and evolution? What if they ask me about dinosaurs? What if they ask me about what happened in Genesis 1 that made the earth without form and void? What if they ask me about the black hole in outer space? What if they get there? I'm lost. You know what? People are looking for somebody who cares about where they are and where and how they're hurting. That's what people are looking for. God wants us to have words that fit the moment. And here's the other part of this. Just as much as the Holy Spirit gives us power and boldness, he also has been promised to bring us words when we need them. Turn to somebody and say, he will put words in your mouth. Words you won't regret, I promise you. He wants us to speak God's words, words that fit the moment. You see, Jesus said in John 14, 26, that when we get into these situations, the Holy Spirit will help us remember scriptures, the word of God, the things that Jesus said that fit the moment. Well, I don't have them all remembered or all memorized and my memory's not real strong and, and I'm not the best with this. You know what? The Holy Spirit will bring those things to your memory. Jesus promised that. And Jesus even said, if they haul you in before kings and they're persecuting you and they're threatening you, don't worry about what you're saying, the Holy, what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will bring you the words and you will speak God's words for the moment. See, my problem comes when I try to speak my words and solve the problem instead of just saying what God says. Letting God put words in my mouth. Words that fit the moment. One of the great stories in the ministry of Jesus is the story of the woman taken in adultery. You find it in John chapter 8. Everybody knows how you know, Jesus had gone in to minister to people in, the, in the, 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 the sanctuary area. 
He's in ministering to people. There's a crowd of people there, and all of a sudden, here come the religious leaders with the naked woman. They drag her in, they throw her down in the dirt at Jesus' feet. They said, Jesus, the law of Moses says she should be stoned. What do you say? They're trying to trap Jesus. We know the story. Jesus bends down and begins to write in the dirt. There's a lot of assumptions as to what Jesus wrote. We don't know for sure. He rises up because they start questioning him again. What are we going to do with this woman? Jesus stoops down and starts writing again. I think as much as anything, he's drawn people's attention away from the naked woman to what he's writing in the soil. Jesus says two things. Remember John chapter 1. When John and his theology of Jesus coming to earth, God becoming flesh, he makes the statement that Jesus came to earth, God in the flesh, full of grace and truth. Jesus says two things to the lady. Jesus says, you know, whoever's here should cast the first stone, but only if you don't have sin in your life. She deserves to die? Sure, let's stone her. If you have no sin, cast the first stone. One by one, they walk away, and when they're all gone, Jesus looks at the lady and says, Woman, where are your accusers? You see, Jesus was the only one in the crowd without sin. He had the right to throw a stone. Woman, where are the people who want to kill you? And she Lifts her head and looks around. She says, they're gone. Nobody else is here that wants to destroy me. Number one, Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. He's full of grace. The first thing he speaks are words of grace. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to destroy you. I'm not going to put you to death. But then he says the second thing. Go and sin no more. Words of truth. See, she needed to recognize the reason she was in this place is because of sin. Oh, yeah, she was probably trapped. She might have been trapped by people who had used her services on other occasions. That didn't matter. She's facing death, and Jesus says, no, 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 not today. Neither do I condemn you, but truth. Go and sin no more. You know, when we deal with people, and I'm almost finished, so stay with me. When we deal with people, we need to learn to speak words that are seasoned with grace. Colossians 4 talks about this. We need to speak words that are seasoned. Seasoned. My wife last night made homemade chili. And you know what? She spent about half of her time getting the seasonings all figured out. So it tastes like chili. Some of us need to let the Holy Spirit season our words so it tastes like Jesus. We need to learn to talk to people with grace. Grace opens doors. Did you know that? Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. 
We need to learn to meet people where they are in their hurt, in their pain, and point them to God's forgiveness and God's love for their lives. But then number two, we also need to be able to tell people the truth. You know, Ephesians 4 talks about this. We need to be able to learn to tell people the truth in love. That means love seasons the truth. Here's what I believe. I believe if we would open our hearts and say, God, season my words. Give me boldness. But season my words to speak grace and hope into people's lives. And then when they grab that hope, then show me how to speak words of love that point people to truth, that they'll turn away from their sin and turn their life to you and follow you. That's what God's called us to do. And the Holy Spirit has come to bring us boldness and words that are seasoned to touch and change people's lives. Many years ago when I was a young pastor, I... It's a long story. I'll make it really short. I, I had an old pickup that I was restoring. Going to be really cool. When I got finished, it was cool. Really cool pickup. And I had it at a body shop that a friend of mine owned. And I would go down there because the agreement was, we'll give you a discounted price if you let us work in our spare time. So it could take several weeks. And it took about three months to get the truck finished. I said, fine. So I'd go down there two or three times a week at least, and I'd check on them and see what kind of work was being done because it was interesting to me. Plus, I just wanted them to know I'm concerned, I'm interested, I'm anxious for you to finish my truck. So uh, I was slipping in almost every day, and there was one guy who was working back there, and he was a little bit older than me, probably 10 years older, and he kept watching me and looking at me, and he was friendly, but he was really eyeballing me. Have you ever had somebody really eyeball you? I mean, he was really watching me. And I'm sure over time he, he found out I was a pastor there in the area. But I kept having conversations with this guy, just, just words of grace, just, just laughs, just having everyday conversation. And one day I'm, I'm in the office, and he's the only one in there, and everybody else is outside working. And I start talking to the guy, and I said, hey, man, you know what? I'd love for you to come to church with me. How about I save you a seat Sunday? I'll save you a seat. You come sit by me in church. I'd love you to just come hang out at church. We have a great church. We have people that love God. Man, we got all kinds of stories of what God's done for us. I'd love for you to come. And this guy looked at me and said, well, I'd love to, but I can't. I said, why can't you? He said, because technically I'm in prison. I'm at the end of my stay, and they're letting me stay in the city jail right now, and I'm on a work release program. They drop me off every morning early. They come back to get me in the afternoon and they go lock me up for the night. And I can't get out on weekends. I can't go anywhere but to work. I wish I could come to church. I wish I could learn more about the God that you're following. But I can't come. And I looked at him and man, I just sensed the Holy Spirit. I said, you know what? You don't have to come to church to have an encounter with God. He said, you don't? I said, no. 
I said, God will meet you right here. And I just took a couple of minutes and explained God's plan of salvation, how much God loved him. And I said, do you want to accept Jesus as your Savior? He said, yeah, yeah. Standing there in the office of that body shop, I prayed with that guy and he gave his heart to the Lord. You know, we, we make these things so religious and so difficult and we miss opportunities. I want to pray today, two prayers, but number one, I want to pray that God would give us boldness and italics, the right words to, set, to be said the right way through the power of His Spirit. We'll start seizing opportunities and speaking into people's lives. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. I'm going to ask every believer here, open your heart as I pray this prayer and let this prayer be yours. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for what you've done in our lives. God, I thank you for what you've done in my life, where you've brought me from to where I am today. Thank you. God, I also recognize that you want to use me and my story of how your grace has worked in my life to lead other people to your love, to relationship with you. So, Father, I'm asking that you will change my vision, help me see opportunities, and then give me boldness by the power of your spirit God let the Holy Spirit come and rest upon us give us boldness and give us words take away the fear that we'll know if we get our foot in the door you'll give us the words to speak to face every situation every question every need and then father give us the boldness and the faith to pray prayers of faith to help somebody grab hands with you and Link hearts with you and open their heart to receive you and receive your power to work in their lives. God, don't let us shrink away, but let us seize the opportunity and insert your love and your power in Jesus' name. Well, heads are still bowed. One last thing. Maybe you're here today. And maybe you're watching online, but, but you've never really opened your heart to God. You've never really said... I claim Jesus as my Savior. Maybe you've got a thousand religious reasons why you haven't, or maybe people have said things and done things, or maybe you think you're not worthy. Let me tell you something. God put his son on a cross to pay for our sins that though we were unworthy, he'd bring us to a place where we're worthy to be called the sons of God, where he could be our father and we could be his children. But it all begins with us opening our hearts and saying, God, I need you and I accept you into my life. I want to lead everybody in a prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody listening online, everybody in the building, pray this prayer with me out loud. It's just a prayer that will open your heart to God. Give God a chance to start working in your life. Pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I want you and I need you. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to know you. From this moment forward, you are my Father. I am your child. I will learn your ways. And I will walk with you. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the building, it's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your whole life. But it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. 
We've got a little gift we want to give you. I'd love to give this to you. It's a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It'll help you start understanding how much God loves you and all he wants to do in your life. This will help you get started in your relationship with God. In just a couple of minutes, Pastor Nick's going to tell you how you can get that book. But I just want to say, God bless you. We're so glad you joined the family of God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new family members in today? God bless you. Can we give Pastor Gary a hand for that great word? If you just invited Jesus into your life, we do have a gift called The Next Seven Days, and we just want to make it very clear to you where that's available. If you're here in person out in our lobby today as you are exiting, there's an area that's got a big television above it that'll say Next Seven Days. We'll have a team member there that is uh, willing to give that to you, or it's on the counter. You can grab it yourself. If you're joining us online, uh, you can simply go to our website or to uh, any of our social media links, and you can just hit Connect, and then it'll take you to a place and just write in Next Seven Days, and we'll get that information to you. But we are so excited. This is the greatest decision that you could ever make, and so we just want to say we're so proud of you, and welcome to the family. It's that time of service where we're going to give to the Lord, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your continued faithfulness in the season. Every week, there are 80 to 95 families that come through our community care program. That represents hundreds of people that you are blessing, that you are showing the tangible love of Christ to. Every day across the world, there are people because of the Bridge Church, because of your generosity, because of your faithfulness, that are being blessed, that are being given resources, that are being given education, that are being given the word and the message of Christ. And you are a part of that. Thank you for planting seeds. Thank you for, for just uh, uh, planting seeds into this generation and the next generation. So thank you so much for your faithfulness. We just want to remind you um, in a few moments as we exit, we have some stations in the back walls on the doors right here that say giving stations. You can go, you can drop it in there, or we've even got one out in the, the lobby area by our kids' check-in area. You can also give online or through our church app, but we just want to say thank you so much. All right. Hey, we're almost here. We're almost here at the end. We've got two reminders for you. If you are uh, signing up to be a kids volunteer, because we would love to be able to get kids uh, service back in play, we need some volunteers for that. We have an incredible opportunity right after service today. If you are with us in person, you can go out to the kids check-in area and Pastor Jeremy would love to meet you and he'll give you some more uh, details about what the next steps are on that. Um, we also want to encourage everybody, if you've never been a part of our Connecting Point, and you're like, well, what's Connecting Point? Connecting Point is you come and you hear the, the history, uh, you hear the, the beliefs, the vision of the bridge, and it's also how you get uh, plugged in to be able to serve in any area in our church. And so we would encourage you that you would be a part of our next Connecting Point. It's next Sunday, okay, during the second service. You can join us in person or you can join us online. So you can sign up on our website or our church app. Bridge, we love you. Have an incredible afternoon. God bless and give an air high five to somebody on your way out.